morning, everybody. Good to see all, all y'all. We're in Southern Maine, right? <laughs> well, I'm Pastor Tom. Did you guys have a good weekend last weekend, Mother's Day weekend? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you get an elbow some of you guys? Did you forget? You better not. Well, we were, my wife and I and our family were up at, uh, last weekend we were up in Bangor for my daughter's graduation for, from Hudson College. And if you're Facebook, Facebook friends with me, you probably saw some of the posts and stuff like that. We had a great time. We were so blessed and um, so proud of her. She just, has done a great job. And, and this weekend, Pastor Brian and Raquel are actually in Alabama, and they're uh, down for their son's graduation from Bible college. Luke, isn't that cool? Yeah. So he's going to come back and tell us he knows everything now. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you that know Luke, you know that's true. Um, he's a great kid, and we, we have a great relationship, but he's, sometimes he's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been doing this series called Unbreakable, uh, Unshakable, sorry, Unbreakable, right? Unshakable. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I was uh, really excited when we sat down, Pastor Brian and I, and, and uh, Mark from our, our board, and, and we were planning some of the, uh, the scriptures and the events and how, we're gonna, how this is going to uh, shape out for this series. And we're reading through the book of Hebrews. And Pastor Brian did a great job two weeks ago uh, starting the series. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it, you weren't here, go to our website, lifechurchmain.org or lifechurch.fm. It's in your, our program. And watch it because it is well worth it. He does such an amazing job teaching God's word. And, uh, but I'll give you a little background in the book of Hebrews. And, and, and before we get started, though, I, I, I recommend that if you're not reading a book of the Bible on a regular basis. And it's great to have devotions where you get a little, a little piece in, in, in we with a Rick Warren devotion, which is great. He gives you a scripture, some teaching, some real life application that pertains to us. But it's also important to take a book of the Bible and just read it. Uh, I just finished the book of Hebrews. It's John. I'm going through this again. And, and if you are a friend of mine on Version, which is our free Bible app, or uh, you could follow me. And if you want, jump on some of the plans that I'm doing or others that are doing. And it is a great opportunity to do that. Well, I just finished Hebrews and, and was so touched by just studying the book and, 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 and got such revelation from God and, 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 and the letter that Paul wrote to this church. Uh, and, and, you know, he was writing to this group of friends that were Jewish, their Jewish background. And they were Hebrews, and 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 they're and, and most of the the half of the book or so, he's talking about uh, just kind of clarifying what um, Jesus, following Jesus, is all about. Because a lot of them had, had, had come to Christ, they experienced Him, and they were they were you know they were struggling because they were brought up with you know the law, and that was the way for salvation is to follow the rules and the law. All those are all important and good, but it's through Christ and through grace that we are saved. And so Paul writes, and I'm just going to read the first um, uh, scripture on your, in your fill in the blanks that you got an insert like this, so you can take it out. And I read that top scripture, that was the one that Brian shared a couple weeks ago, and then we'll kind of go from there. It's from Hebrews 12, um, verse 20, starts at verse 26. Then God spoke from Mount Sinai. His voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. Wow. Powerful stuff. Unshakable. What does that mean? What is that scripture saying? It's that we're going to have moments of being shaken. 
We're going to have those in our life. And nobody likes to hear it maybe or, or preach it or something like that, or, but we're going to be shaken in our life. And it reminds me of um, um, the gold rush, even though I wasn't there, <laughs> back in the 1800s. But I love watching documentaries about things, and history especially. And, and uh, what happened was there was people discovered gold in what, California, and everybody across the United States would come out there and risk everything for their chance of their pot of gold, so to speak. And they had these tools, these, these, uh, these, these sifting tools they would use. And I got a picture of one. And, uh, it's, you know, I'm not sure if it was poked in or just buckshot. I have no idea. But, uh, but they would take these and they would scoop in the river. They would scoop it. And they would, with all the dirt and the mud and the muck, and, all that, and they would shake it. And they would shake it. And they would sift through it and hopefully find a piece of gold. Maybe one that would change their life financially forever. Now, being shaken will do one of two things for you. It'll either cause fear or faith. Now, Pastor Ryan talked about a couple weeks ago, holy fear. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. This kind of fear that, that being shaken will create is either a fear of like anxiety, worry, stress, maybe thinking that you're losing control and you have to fix everything and being in control, or anger, whatever it is. Those are the kinds of fears that can be generated, or you can experience faith a real kind of faith than the book of Hebrews talks about. But what is faith? It says in Hebrews, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And it goes on saying that, that probably you've all heard that, it's impossible to please God without faith. But what is this faith? The things that we can't see. Now, how many of you met Jesus like in Hannaford or Mall or you ran into him, Right? It's not a a trick question. You're like, should I say yes? No, you you didn't physically run into him. He's not physically on this earth yet. Okay? So what is faith? He talked about it to the apostles when my namesake, Thomas, you probably all heard that story after he was raised from the dead. He came back to the apostles, and they weren't there. Uh, Thomas wasn't there the first time. He says, I won't believe until I see the wounds and touch them. And, And he came back, and Thomas was there, and he said, after he said, oh, I believe Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and do not see. We're going to talk about real faith because real faith is something that happens when you're being shaken in life. Kind of reminds me of a, a Catholic nun, nun that worked in the home health care industry. And she was on her way to an appointment and, um, and she was driving and all of a sudden looked at her, uh, her dashboard and realized it was on empty and all of a sudden she ran out of gas just so happens that she walked down the street and there was a gas station right down, not far away. She felt so blessed. And she asked the attendant, she said, sir, would you, would you let me borrow a can and a little bit of gas so I can just bring it to my car? I ran out of gas and, and uh, you know, I'll, I promise I'll come back and I'll fill it up with gas from your station. And the, the young attendant said, oh, I'd love to, man. But somebody, just, somebody else just ran out of gas and I gave him my last gas can. But if you wait a little bit, shortly he'll be back. I know he will be and you just wait and I'll make sure I'll take care of you. She thought, no, I have this appointment to go to. Somebody's counting on me to be there. I'm pretty resourceful. I'll find something. So she walks back to her car. Maybe I'll find a water bottle or something. Empty it out. I can put gasoline. She searched through her car and everything she could find. And the only thing she, only thing she could find was a bedpan. <laughs> yeah. So she brings it back to the gas station. And they, they put some gas in the bedpan. And she walks back to her car. And she opens up the latch. And she attempts to pour it in, in her tank. And a couple guys are walking down the street. And they saw the nun doing that, and they said, one point of the other one goes, oh, that's real faith right there. <laughs> now, that's not the kind of faith we're talking about. 
Real faith, again, is faith that's, that's tested, that is faithful during the shaking process. But you know what? Real faith happens because we have storms in our lives. We do. We do. We have storms. And if you could follow along, that's number one. Storms will happen. They will in your life. Now, sometimes there are storms that we create or we cause. You ever made a wrong decision, a foolish decision? Anybody but me? Because <laughs> I can raise everything. You know, we've all done that. We've all made mistakes. We've all, it says we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all made those boo-boos, right, in life. Poor choices, haven't we? Sure. So sometimes we cause the storms. Sometimes other people do in our lives. Haven't been wronged by somebody else? Ever been hurt? Ever been betrayed? Ever been accused of something maybe you didn't even do? Sure, sometimes other people cause storms in our lives. But also God will cause storms to happen in our lives. And you're saying, wait a minute, God is good. God is good all the time. He never would cause something like that. I'd encourage you to read your Bible because it is in there. He will shake us. He will sift through you know, I read this scripture years ago, and people will say to me, oh my gosh, God causes everything to the good, to, uh, to work together for the good of those who love. Everything, right? Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be rosy, perfect. You've got to read the rest of it. And are called according to his purpose for them. His purpose, what his plans are, his will, not mine and not ours. And sometimes that is to be shaken to be clean, to be sifted out, purified. Why? Because God is not interested in our comfort. He's not interested in our convenience. He's interested in one thing, our character. He's interested in our character. He wants to be, help us to become more like his son, the perfect example that lived on the earth. And if I can help you with a couple things here today, there's some life lessons that I've learned that took me years to figure out. But if I can help you today, if you can just get this message today, it could change everything for the rest of your life. So number one, storms will happen in your life. And our life is a test. You know, this life is a test. We're only here for a short period of time on this earth. Whether we want to realize it or not, every day, every minute, every second, we're getting older. We are. But whether we like it or not, and I don't look it, but I'm in the 50 decade. <laughs> you know? and, and you know what? It's okay. Uh, recently, I, I saw on Facebook that the, the oldest living veteran, World War II veteran, just passed away 110 years old. Man, that guy was an overachiever or what, huh? And I honor him for his service, and that's great. But we only have a limited time here. This life, though, if you can realize that this life is a test. Storms will happen in this life as a test. And Peter said this in his scripture. He said, dear friends, don't be surprised of the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange is happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Don't be surprised at these challenges. Don't be surprised at these storms or these tests. Understand that your life is a test. Number one, understand that. Number two, recognize when you're being tested. Recognize it. For years, I didn't understand that. This is happening. I didn't understand that God has a plan. And this challenge, this test, this storm in my life is part of the shaking process to make me more like his son. I wish that I'd known. It would have saved me so many 
so much anguish, so much pain and suffering, just knowing this is a death. This is the test of the emergency broadcast system. <laughs> this is only a test. If you just remember that, this is a test. You know, you ever heard the story of Jesus after he got baptized by John the Baptist and, and the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came down and God said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Well, what happened right afterwards? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He knew it was happening. He kind of knew. He was God. He kind of knew what was going on. He knew it was coming. So if we know that our life is a test and we know when we are being tested, it'll save you so much. Hey, if you, I, I like to watch boxing occasionally, even UFC occasionally. You know, not too much, you know, just enough to have a little fun. Reminds me of my younger days. <laughs> but uh, uh, if you're in a fight, would you rather be sucker punched or would you rather see it coming? Wouldn't you rather be able to defend yourself or move or something like that? Sure. That's why knowing that your life is a test and knowing that recognizing that things that happen to you in life are tests makes the world a difference. Maybe it's a tough day. Ever get up and realize your alarm didn't go off on a Monday morning? and then you're late. Or you go in the shower, and the water never gets warm. Or it does, and it gets cold after you get all lathered up, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. Or you get the clothes out to wear the next day, or you look at them, and they're wrinkled, or they, even worse, they don't fit anymore. <laughs> I just went through that recently. It's like, oh my gosh, got to bring out the fat clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and you go in your car, to get it started, and it goes, rrr, rrr, rrr and you start praying. You get really spiritual. Lord, please. And then you start promising things to your car. I promise I'll change the oil. I promise, you know. <laughs> you ever do that? Or then you get it started, then you go to work and you get a flat tire. You got to change tire or call somebody, whatever it is, you got to wait. Then you get to work and you're late and your boss gives you a heart attack. Come into my office. This is unacceptable. Maybe they're having a bad day and they take it out on you. Or you think you got this big sale, this big account, and it falls apart, or you lose it. Or you go out to lunch with a friend, or maybe you're a client, and you say, hey, I'll take that tab. And the waiter has to come back and says, um, sir, your, your credit card's declined. That's a fun thing, isn't it? Or your car gets broken into, and you, they steal your wallet or something. Or you go to your favorite, you, every day you park at the same spot, and somebody's in it. Well, these are small things, but these are things that happen to people I know, some of them myself. This week, I heard about some of these things. These are some of the tough challenges or tests that maybe would happen. Maybe it's a step further. Maybe you're being tempted. Maybe you're in business or, and you want to cut some corners and save some money and maybe do some things that maybe you know are wrong. Or every get a bill, you go to a restaurant and it's like, oh, they didn't put this on there. It's not on my bill. What do you do? Years ago, I'd be like, sweet. Now I know, I understand, number one, it's wrong. Number two, the waiter or waitress probably has to pay for it. I mean, that's not fair. It's not right. I remember years ago being advised by a tax professional that if I did this and did that, could this and that, I could save some money, like six or seven hundred bucks a year on my taxes. And I was like, and it wasn't illegal, but it was borderline, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like the gray area. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. He looked at me like, what are you, stupid? Don't use him anymore. But, uh, or somebody in your office is feeling really, fruit, uh, really you know, nice to you or maybe even flirty, and you're married, not to them. Mm. Or maybe you've been wronged by someone and you think, I'm going to get them back. I've got a plan. When are they going to pay? Maybe those are temptations that you deal with. 
sat down with a friend of mine recently that was struggling with an area, an area that I struggled with in my life, and I haven't been, you know, it's no secret that I've had some things that I've struggled with. I've had some thorns in my side, like Paul said, and one of them was lust, and I struggled years ago with pornography. I had a full-blown addiction to it. I sat down with this buddy of mine, and he, he was struggling with it too, and he, and he said these words to me. He goes, Tom, how did you overcome it? And at first I was like, well, let me, and I thought, wait a minute, and I laughed. I was like, I didn't overcome anything. Not by me, not by my strength, it's by God and some plans and other people and helping me and accountable that I went on a path to change my behavior. And I shared that stuff with him. And, but I still have that sometimes, occasionally, not like I used to, but I still wonder if I could. Occasionally it'll happen. So some things will never go away. It's how you, you ever heard that, that uh, saying out, out there, you know, it's not what happens to you, it's how you handle it? Very true, isn't it? That comes right from the Bible. All those good sayings come right from God's word. Or maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe someone you know and love passes away suddenly. You didn't have a chance to say goodbye. Or one of your children gets ill or has some kind of disease or something like that or gets harmed in some way. Or, or maybe your spouse says, we need to talk. I want a divorce. Or maybe you get the news, yes, it's confirmed, Tom, you have cancer. Now, don't worry, I don't. But maybe you got that news sometime. These are all tests. These are all trials that we have in our life. And if we see them this way, it changes our perspective. It changes everything. The bottom of your, of your handout, there's a scripture from Hebrews 10. And when um, Pastor Brian and I and Mark were actually going through the book of Hebrews and looking at scriptures and planning this series, the scriptures just jumped out at me and I couldn't shake it. I just had to, I had to reread and reread and reread and, and I underlined things that spoke to me, that God spoke to me through these scriptures. Let's just read this together. Hebrews 10, 32. It's the bottom of this handout. It says, think back to the early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffer along with those who were thrown in jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there, was a, there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need right now so that you continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Wow, when I read this, some things jump out at me. So when you have these tests, these storms in your life, you have an opportunity to do what? To respond. Respond with joy and confidence. I'm like, wait a minute, how do I respond with joy? It's like, you know, oh, I found out I'm ill. Yay, let's party. That's... Not what it's talking about. I, re- I looked at the Greek word of joy, and I kind of, and it's a lot of different definitions, but one of them jumped out at me. It's happily ca- calm, happily calm. Just, just confidence that knowing that I know that I know that no matter what, God's got this. God's got my back. He is involved right now in my world during this storm. He said he'd never leave us. God is not a liar. He'll never leave us nor abandon us, never forsake us. He is right there right in the midst of your storm. I remember my mom when she first got diagnosed with cancer, stage four cancer, and we were down in Massachusetts. We were brought down there, and, and they said, we got to operate like tomorrow. 
And my sister and I, we had the, we had the, the, the duty to try to convince mom, remember that, Rach? To stay there. Now, she is like four foot nothing French woman, and she is full of it. And we had to make, sell her, and she was not interested. Remember that? She was not interested in staying down there. And I, I, just, I just felt this tug in my heart to pray with her and say, Mom, just pray with me. And we prayed, all three of us prayed, and we asked God just to touch her, give her peace during this time. And I saw something change in her. I saw her continence change. I saw just this release of the stress and the anxiety and the worry and the anger and everything about that just kind of go. And she said, okay, Tom, I'll do it. Remember that, Rach? Okay, Tom, I'll do it. And she just felt confident that God has got this. No matter what, she's doing great today. She just retired from her job. She didn't want to. She's almost like 80 years old. She's going to find another job, I think. (laughs) She's awesome. And someday I'm going to have her up here with me. Maybe. (laughs) If I can can survive, right? But that confidence that Knowing that you know that you know, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances. Reminds me of the story in Daniel of these three young boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You probably have heard this story growing up if you've been in church at all. Now, I have a funny way of remembering names. You know, I had to think about how, because they were like weird names to me, Shadrach, you know. So I thought, you know, I thought, okay, it's your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. And I, <laughs> I just gave you my secrets. That's how I remember all these names, right? <laughs> now you can look at it differently, right? But Shadrach, Meshach, they were like teenagers, and they loved God, and they would not worship any other gods besides the gods of their, the God of their ancestors, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were taught that, and they were loyal. Well, I'll give you a long story short. The king at the time was Nebuchadnezzar, and he thought he was a rock star because he was the king of Babylon, the most powerful nation at the time, and he had won every battle, and he conquered all these other countries by him, and he set up a gold statue of himself in all of the cities because he thought not only was he king, but he was a god. And he made everybody, he commanded everybody to worship the statue of him and they refused and they were caught and brought to him. And the penalty for not worshiping the statue was death by being thrown into a fiery furnace. And he says, you know what the penalty is. And he gave them another shot and they wouldn't do it. And they said these words. They said, if we're thrown at this blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up, even if he doesn't. Now, they were faced with death. Even if he doesn't, we are not going to worship Tremendous, that's real faith in the face of adversity. When you're being shaken, you say yes to him. You continue to say yes. You stay the course. Doesn't mean they maybe they didn't feel a little scared, maybe a little fear. I mean, they were human. They were teenagers. Yeah. I remember years ago, I went, got myself in some financial trouble, owned a bunch of businesses. Long story short, the economy fell apart. I kind of made some bad choices. None of it was the economy's fault. A lot of it was my fault too. And I lost everything except for my home and I was trying to keep my house, but I got in behind and it, my house was in foreclosure and it was a tough, tough period. And I tried, I worked it diligently to save it. And, and the day of the auction came, a lawyer came to my house and all kinds of other people were coming there and I was there and I, I was, I just prayed. I said, God, no matter what, your will be done. And I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, several times a day, because I have to remind myself, it's your will, it's not mine. It's what you want, not what I want. It's what you desire for me, not what I want. And I just gave it to him. 
And I just felt this peace. And I walked out. The lawyer said, hey, I just got a call from the bank. I guess you're all set. Called it off. Not because I deserved it. Not because I was awesome. Not because anything I did. Now, I did my part. I was, you know, but it wasn't about me. And God touched me. He said, I'm going to give you another shot, Tom. He said, don't blow it. (laughs) I've tried hard not to. I've changed a lot of things. But it was God, his confidence that no matter what, he was with me. No matter what, he was with me. So this joy, confidence, that's how you respond in the face of storms and tests. And it's hard. It's, it's hard for us to compute sometimes because it's not what we want to do. Next thing is understand that God is a rewarder. All you have to do is read your Bible, story after story after story after story of people that were under suffering or under challenges or tests or persecution. He rewarded them in different ways and not always with stuff, physical things, but with things that are more important, with peace, with mercy and grace and a love that we can't even understand. There's a story in the Bible of this young guy named Joseph in the book of Genesis. And it's so cool. It's so important that God ends the book with this story of Joseph. He was this young man that had a gift that God had given him to interpret dreams. And he, and he told his brothers, and they got jealous, and, and he was considered a favorite from his dad. And they were going to kill him, but they decided to throw him in a, in a well and, and then sell him to, off into slavery, tell dad that he was dead. He was attacked by an animal or something. So he spent years as a slave for no reason other than his brothers didn't want him around. But because he didn't, he stayed the course and he remembered that God is a rewarder. He read, he had learned, he had been taught that God was a rewarder and he reminded himself that he rose in the ranks of a slave. The lowest of lows in society is a slave. And he rose to the point where he was now the governor's right-hand man. Governor at the time of Egypt was Potiphar. He was like one of the most powerful guys in the nation. And he trusted Joseph with everything, all of his affairs. He managed everything because Joseph worked hard. He didn't wallow in his pity. He didn't complain. He said, okay, this is where I'm at, God. I'm going to do my best right here. That's kind of neat. Is what God says in the story of Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love and the Lord made Joseph a favorite in the prison. God was with Joseph right in the prison. And he promoted him because Joseph stayed the course with God. He remembered God's a rewarder. My God will supply all my needs, we've heard. And it's true. Joseph knew that. Continuing on the story of Joseph, he has, he's got this great position. And he's got a great attitude, which is very attractive. Not only was he handsome and young, but he also... He had this attitude that is attractive. God's spirit is attractive. And Potiphar's wife noticed him and wanted to sleep with him and, and was after him day after day after day. Go, come on, come on, Neil, come on, please, please. And he was like, no, I can't. How can I, how can I betray Potiphar who gave me this chance, who promoted me, who put me in charge? How can I b- betray his trust? And more importantly, how can I sin this great sin against God? He says, I can't, I can't do it. That's how much he loved God. That's how much he trusted God. That's how much he knew God. No matter what was the reward, he already taken him out of slavery. Well, she got mad, accused him of raping him. Potiphar got so angry, threw him into jail. So here he is, enslaved, he got promoted, now he's back in jail. He's in jail for over a decade for a crime he didn't commit. God was with him. Long story short, his, his gift rose up in the jail and eventually got in front of 
Pharaoh interpreted a dream about a famine coming. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to put you in charge. He went from imprisonment to number two guy in all the nation, in charge of just about everything, second to Pharaoh. Finally got reconciled with his brothers and his family and saved probably hundreds of thousands of people when the famine came. And he said these great words when he's talking to his brothers, you meant this for harm, but God meant this for good. He could see that God's rewarded no matter what storm, no matter what trial, no matter what test was happening, he knew God was a rewarder and he was gonna stay with God because that's real faith. Faith, remember, as we talked about, is what we cannot see. Knowing that we know we have this confidence that God is in this, he's involved right now with me. Look back at that Hebrews 10 scripture. Think back and remember. Maybe you're working at a job right now that you don't like anymore. Or maybe you say, I hate my job. Oh, I don't like Monday. Can't wait for Friday. But remember the first day in your job? Remember when you were first hired? Remember the things you were going to do? Maybe the impact you were going to make? Maybe the things you were going to change? Maybe the energy? Remember and think back to when you first started that and change that thinking. Maybe God will open up another door. Maybe you'll get another job. Maybe you'll, okay. But right now, you're in this job. Do your best. Do your best right now. Why? especially if you are a Christ follower because it reflects him. Do your best. Be known for that. Even if you don't like it, be known for it anyway. How many of you have kids? Bunch of you, right? How many have teenagers? Let's talk about some storms. <laughs> you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, um, train up a child the way they should go and then when they get older, they won't depart. Well, you know, I read that a few times. I'm like, there's a gap there. That must be the teenage years. Because God knows, you know. I went from hero to zero. My, child, my daughter was like 13. I was like, I don't know, what happened? You know, I was like, I was a rock star and I was something else. <laughs> Whatever, like immediately, it was weird. But think back. Remember when they were a baby. Remember they were a little toddler and they could do nothing wrong, right? They could break stuff. Your favorite whatever and you didn't care. You just loved them. Or they would be naughty. And you still loved them. You might have to discipline. I'm not saying not to, but you still loved him. He didn't love, and you, you loved him anyway. They, they just, the way you saw them when they were little is the way God sees you right now. So when you're going through those teenage years, look at them as God looks at you and remind, remind yourself that God is a rewarder. He is. Remind yourself. How many, of you, how many here are married? Enough said, right? <laughs> think back. I know some of you maybe are struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're like, oh gosh. You know, this is so tough. And the culture will tell you, make sure you're married to the right person. You're not really sure which one. Well, let me help you. If you're married, you are married to the right one. All you gotta do is read God's word. He says it over and over and over again. And it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. It doesn't mean it's gonna be fun. It doesn't mean it's always gonna be great. But think back to those courting years. And after you're married, they call it lying, guys. <laughs> when you say, I promise, honey, I'll give you this. I'll, I'll do this. Remember I said to you, Christine, I, I'll take you to New York. It only took us 20 years, right? <laughs> She's trying not to say anything because she could unload. But 
But that's true. I mean, we would think back to those times that you'd hold the door, or you would do this, or you'd spin a little note, or, or you'd do things. And whenever, and we've struggled, and we've been married almost 26 years, and we've had some moments where we're like, we're done. We're cashing our chips. We're going to take my bucket and go home. I just, we, we were, both of us had moments like, ah. Oh. We come back to God. Okay, God, all right. We'll struggle through it. <laughs> we'll press on. You're all going to have seasons if you're married. Because you're going to be married usually to somebody totally opposite. And initially it's exciting. Then the honeymoon's over. Then it's like, ooh. Isn't it? It's so true. But there's a purpose for that. You're not meant to marry yourself. That would be boring. Some of you think that's what it would be great, but it would be boring. And it doesn't, because God, come back to it. God is interested in what? Your character. What? How do we learn when everything is smooth, when everything is easy, when we're just coasting? That's how we learn, right? No. We learn when it's tough, when we make mistakes, when we get knocked down, when we make when we get challenges, when we have tests and storms. That's how we learn. I'm not doing that no more. That was painful. That's true. We have this date night coming up, and we have a whole marriage ministry here at this church. We have a group of people we met last night and planning some things, and they are excited with passion to help you in your marriage. That alone should be motivation for you to want to plug in because you're going to have storms. You're going to have seasons of tough times. You've got to understand that you can't do this by yourself. You can't. There's no way you can do it by yourself. Trust me, I try. It doesn't work. But if you do with somebody else, do this thing called life with somebody else, you just might have a good time. You just might experience joy and confidence. Now, if you have, are divorced, I'm not trying to say, I can't change the past. All I can tell you, and neither can you, is right now, today, what can you do today to save what you have in your marriage? Kind of reminds me of, and here's a, here's a, a, a thought here. Actually, thoughts create emotions or feelings which generate actions, and especially in, a rela- in relationships, you know, whatever you think about will come out. So I encourage you to understand that. Don't always trust your feelings because they're usually wrong. Reminds me of this gal that she's getting ready for work and she had this beautiful dress she just bought and, she's, and it had a zipper in the back. She asked her husband, honey, can you just zip up the back of the dress for me? And he thought it was an opportunity for him to be a little playful with her. So he gave her a little wink and he's like, up, down, up, down. And he's having fun with her, teasing her. And she's like, oh gosh, I just want to get to work. And he breaks the zipper on the dress. Yeah. She gets really upset. I told you to stop fooling around. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Walks away. So she gets another dress. She goes to work. And all day she thinks about, I'm going to get him. That's it. Wait till he, I get home. I'm gonna, and she thinks about how she's going to do it. She drives in the driveway. And in the driveway is their car. And underneath, she sees him underneath the car. And all she can see is his jeans. And he must be working on the car or something. She says, I'll fix him. She goes over to his jeans. And she grabs his zipper. Up and down, up and down. And he's like, oh, like that. Then she walks in the kitchen. And there's her husband standing right there. She says, what are you doing here? And he's like, I live here. Well, what are you doing in the kitchen? She goes, I, uh, what's your problem? And then she confesses her sin and what she did. And he laughs. And he goes, who's out in the garage? Well, that's our neighbor, Bob. He's volunteered to fix the car for us. And <laughs> so they walk out and they look underneath it and he's, almost, he's out cold. They're like, 
oh my gosh. So he, they pull him out, they tap him, and he wakes up. He goes, oh. He goes, what happened? He says, well, after that event that happened to me, I tried to get up, and I whacked my head in the bottom of the car and knocked myself out, I guess. So be careful what you think about. Be careful your thoughts. Be careful to let those emotions or feelings, especially if they're negative ones, to cause harm for somebody to create actions. Remember back. Think back to when you first had your encounter with Jesus. When you first met him. When you realized, not, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember, Jesus died for my sins, rose again on the third day. Da, 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 da. I remember that. I knew that. But when it became personal to me that he died for Tom, I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but he died, he took all my junk on the cross with him. Washed me clean. Became my savior. It changed everything. Maybe you're sometimes feeling like these Hebrews, they were getting ready to throw in the towel. They were like, oh, this whole, this whole faith thing. I, you know, they, were, they were potentially thinking about quitting. That's Paul's writing. Don't. He says, think back because you were rewarded. He says, you were rewarded. Remember that great reward. Because God pulled him through before. He's going to do it again. He's like, just stick with him. Remember that. So maybe you're thinking sometimes, oh, this whole thing is too tough. This whole Jesus thing, you know, I, I understand he's my savior, but I, now he's my Lord. And I got you know, I want him to obviously rule my, but it's so, sometimes hard. And I don't really feel like doing everything he wants me to do. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That's not always easy, right? It's not always fun. It's not always what we want to do. So next thing, real faith. Don't give up. Real faith doesn't give up. When you're faced with storms. There's a story in the Bible, in the book of Job, the story of Job's life. And a lot of theologians think that was the first book that was written. It's a great book. And, and uh, in that, in the first chapter, God assembles all the angels, including Satan. And he's like, has this, this meeting. And he goes to Satan, where you been? Oh, I've been roaming around the earth looking for somebody. And God says, well, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous man. He says, yeah, but you're protecting him. You're... God looks at Satan and he says, okay, you can do whatever you want except you can't kill him. And over the next period of time, he loses everything. It's a tough thing. He, I mean, everything. Family, money. He had, and some people think he was the richest man in the world at the time. Had tremendous stuff. And blessed beyond belief, he was a righteous man. And if you look in that story, you've probably heard that song, the Lord gives and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord comes from this book of the Bible. It says, the Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. Because he knew his hope was not in his stuff, in his wealth, or even in relationships. His hope was in God. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Didn't sin by blaming God. Didn't say God. And then you look at the, at the end of the, the story. God comes through and blesses him. God is a rewarder. He blesses his kids. He says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. They say he doubled. God doubled everything he had. And again, it wasn't about the stuff, but that's God. He's a good God. And he wants to bless those that stay the course, trust him, have the real faith. In the times of shakiness, they don't give up on him. I know we played that song from Pastor Gordy wrote, I Will Not Be Shaken. It's a great little song. I remember we actually recorded that years ago. I had some fun. And, and uh, so this week when you're out and you have those, because they're going to happen, you're going to have those storms, you're going to have those tests, you're going to have those moments 
Are you going to want to give up and forget God and forget this stuff and just forget Pastor Tom said, the scriptures, all this stuff. So remember, I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. Not because of me, not because of, it says, because God, my strength, God, I trust in you. It says in that song, it's about that. Hold fast to that and don't give up. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're saying to yourself, man, God, Tom, you were speaking to me. Man, I, I, I need to learn how to respond better. I need to understand that life is a test and, and, and realize it's a testing that when it happens. And I need to say, okay, God, I'm along for the ride because I know that you are rewarded. I'm going to remind myself that in every moments of weakness and vulnerability that I am not going to give up. Maybe that's you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, God's speaking to you, and he says, hey, it's time. You just raise your hand. Raise your hand and say, no, it's time. Thank you for all those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Just remember that, that little song, I will not be shaken. I will not be moved because God, my hope, God, I trust in you. Dear Lord, thank you for these people that have responded and they said they want to change and they're asking you to move in asking to show yourself to them in those moments when they're being challenged and they're being in a storm and help them with your peace and confidence. Remind them that your will is being done even in the midst of the storm. Lord, we ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.